Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just visiting with us, we're wrapping up a message series entitled This Is Us. And over the last uh, three weeks, we've really kind of dove into the family unit. We've taken a look at different aspects of it. Um, If you are a parent or a grandparent, um, we've tried to look through scripture to be able to take some different practical approaches to um, how to keep the family unit strong. And today is no different. Today we're actually going to be going in and we're going to take a look at a family um, that actually, if they were in today's time, if they weren't in biblical times, but they were actually today and last week they did this, um, child services would have been called out on them. One of our famous families Um, One of the most amazing kids in the world and child services would have absolutely been called on it. And I know you're kind of intrigued or tweaked a little bit about this, Um, but to set that up, I'll just tell you a quick story. I know what it's like as a parent to have one of those moments. Um, And if, if you've ever been in ministry before, Sundays are chaotic. Um, my wife at the time, years ago, we were at a different church and, uh, as a pastor, um, you're running from different, uh, Bible study classes, saying hello to people, running from worship services. You just got a lot on your plate. And as a family unit, you have to make sure that you take turns. For those of you who don't know, um, I've got a 10 year old now, son named Connor. And uh, at that time he was three years old and my wife, she was uh, volunteering in the preschool area. She had a meeting. I had a lot of responsibilities. And so we did what normal ministry families do. We met in the middle and we said, okay, okay, who's got Connor for what time and everything else? And we said, okay. So I had Connor for a few minutes and then I went to her and I handed Connor off to her. And then the plan was, is that um, all of a sudden she got pulled in a different direction and she, um, a serious situation and she couldn't have Connor with her. She couldn't get me. And so there was a friend of ours who, uh, his name was Mike and he's uncle Mike to us. And he, we trust him with our child and he was standing there. And so he was talking to someone. Um, Jennifer looked at him, saw his eyes, said, Hey, can you watch Connor for a few minutes? And he just kind of nodded. So Jennifer went off, left Connor there, and she went off in the room for five minutes. I come up back around the same time, and she comes out of her meeting at the same time, and we're both there, and I look at her and go, where's Connor? And she looks at me, and she goes, oh, Mike has him. I said, okay, great. So then we look down the hall, and we see Mike standing there with no Connor. So she runs up and says, Mike, where's Connor? And he goes, what? You were watching Connor. And then sheer panic strikes all of us because he didn't realize what she had said. He thought she was just saying hi and Connor was gone. Now, what seemed like a day was really about 30 seconds because Connor had walked just one hallway down and was looking at a beautiful mural on a wall that we had at our last church. And so it took about 20 seconds walking down and thank goodness we're a ministry family because the kid thinks the church is a second home anyway. And so he was just standing there looking at the beautiful pictures. But if you've ever been a parent and you've had one of those moments, you know what it's like to be just distraught. You feel at a time, you take, you, sometimes we take for granted as a family, all the things that we have. And in that moment, um, everything starts flashing by you. There was another family in the Bible that had a, a similar moment. The only difference though is this family didn't lose their child for 20 seconds. They lost their child for three whole days. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into a story about the family. 
And it's born out of the, one of the Gospels, Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. If you don't know the Bible, um, Luke's in the New Testament. Luke was a doctor, and I love preaching out of the book of Luke because Luke was meticulous as a doctor. And so his writings were very, very specific with regards to the happenings and the ministry of Jesus. And so let's jump into this story about this family unit, this special family, and how they had a moment like me. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Here we go. It says, every year, Jesus' parents, yes, Mary and Joseph, went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first and pause. Okay, let's be honest, high school parents, there are some times where your kids go out and you not really that sad that they went away for a couple of days. So they're just like a regular family because they assumed he was among other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among other relatives and friends. Now, if you don't know this story right off the bat, you can become judgmental about Mary, Joseph and their parenting practices. You could say, Terry, how could they miss him for three full days? How not know that he was with them when they were traveling back to Nazareth. I don't understand these people. Do they not care about Jesus? You have to understand something, that in biblical times, the family was different. In fact, they really didn't call them families during that time. In biblical times, the family unit was known as a tribe. And a tribe looks very different than our families today. And I would venture today, if, you're, if you don't like to listen to long messages um, and you want to snooze in just a few minutes, let me just kind of give you where we're going. I think in a lot of our families, we've forgotten what the true meaning of a family should be. And if we look really closely at biblical times, we begin to see some of the dynamics that they had that we need to bring back into many of our families today. And so they had a tribe. A tribe consisted not just of mom and dad and the nuclear family. A tribe consisted of grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, cousins, relatives, close friends. And when they would travel, they would all travel together. And so it was very common that as they traveled to Jerusalem, as they turned around and came back, it was very common for my mom and dad not to panic if they didn't see their child. Because the assumption was, is that our child is with an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, and they're in our group. And so as they get home, they notice right away, Jesus is nowhere to be found. I believe today that there's many of our families, including mine, that need a reality check with regards to what it truly means to be a tribe. So here's the question that you're going to ask yourself throughout the message today. I want you to compare your family to a tribe. And I want you to ask yourselves, do I have a family or do I have a tribe? Now, many of you right now are going to say, well, Terry, what's the definition of tribe? Good news. Here's the definition of a tribe. Definition of a tribe. Number one, the status in a tribe is not based on behavior. So in biblical times, no matter what you did, no matter how you acted, whether you were the middle child, whether you were the baby of the group, whether you were the black sheep of the family, you still belong to the tribe. And so no one kicked you out of the tribe. You were always a part. Number two, you always, always, always have a place in the tribe. Let me illustrate this another way because some of you, you might say, well, Terry, can you illustrate as a family? There is a family in the Bible and I don't have time to unpack all of it, but let me just tell you a story. It's a story about a son who insulted his father. This son went straight up to his dad and he said the worst thing that you could possibly say as a son to a dad. He basically told his dad, I wish you were dead. 
Because what the son did was at a moment in time, he said, you know what? I think I can make better choices. I think I can live a better life. I want to be out on my own and I want my inheritance now so I can support myself and do life alone. If you're a dad in the room, is there anything else worse than a son coming up to you and saying, dad, I want your money now. In other words, I wish you were dead. So a loving father stands there and listens to his son's request and granted his son the inheritance. The son leaves, and as the story goes, he goes and he lives life like he wants to live life. He parties and he spends all of the money. He wakes up one day and he finds himself in with the pigs, actually in a pigsty. And a, a, a thought struck the boy's mind at that moment. And he said this, even my dad's servants eat better than I'm eating today. So maybe what I can do is, is I can sneak back to the house and maybe I can enter into the house as a servant and maybe I can eat like a servant. I won't go back to the family because I'm sure my dad wouldn't want me, but I will go back as a servant. Now, those of you that are here or watching online, you know this story. It's the story of the prodigal son. And the son begins to head back. And if you, if you ever rush through that story, you miss so many good points. Because the the word, the Bible says this, that the dad was not in the house. The dad was actually on the porch. And actually the dad was actually scanning and always alert looking for his lost son. The Bible tells us that the son entered in the yard. The son began to run across the yard. And all of a sudden, I'm sure the son thought, oh no, there's dad. And I'm sure dad is going to be angry. Oh no, I'm not going to be able to sneak my way in. Oh no, I'm going to get rejected. He's going to be so mad. He's going to say, I told you so. But in this story, the loving father doesn't do any of that. The loving father instead runs from the porch, meets the son in the yard, wraps his arms around his son. And what I love about that story is what you're about to see next. Instead of scolding the son, instead of doing what I would probably do and said, ha, you thought you could live life better. You thought you had all the answers. Look at you now and you dare come back to our family. I don't think so. I don't think so. Instead of saying that, watch what the father says. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Don't miss this. Get the family ring and put it back on his finger and put sandals on my son's feet because he is a part of our tribe. He will always have a place in our family. The next thing he says is, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And I love the next verse. So the party began. What a great example of biblical times of a father that's leading a family and says, if you're a part of our tribe, your behavior will not dictate your place and you will always have a place in our tribe. Now, if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, is my family like a tribe? I'm not trying to set you up. The truth is most of us in this room would probably say no. Most of us in this room, we have grown up in a system. We have grown up in a culture that is not like that. There are very few that have families that are all interconnected and all loving and accepting. But in American culture today, it's very hard to find it because our culture has become so isolated from one another. So if you're sitting there today and say, well, Terry, 
I don't know if, if I can get there, but how do I begin making my family look like a tribe? If you're wanting steps on how you can take your family and lead your family to become a tribe, I believe there are three levers. Think of them like levers that you have to pull. There's three levers that every family has to pull to be strong, united, and tribe-like. Here's the first one. Your first lever is relationship with one another. So let me ask spouses in this room. How many of you today, if I were to ask you, when you went home and you spent the next eight hours sitting next to your spouse, how many words of deep communication did you actually speak? In other words, how close are you connected? By the way, guys, the score of the Dolphins game doesn't count. How many of you go home day after day, week after week, and your deep level communication, I can count the amount of words on a hand of how closely connected you are. That first lever means a lot. That first lever reminds all of us, how am I in relationship to my spouse? How am I in relationship to my kids? How am I in relationship with my family? Many of us, we occupy the same space But that doesn't necessarily mean you're close. There are many people sitting next to each other and you're really close physically. But in your hearts, you're as far apart as could possibly be imagined. So if you want a great tribe, the first lever you've got to pull is you have to invest in your relationship with one another. You have to make sure that that lever is pulled at all times. There's a second lever. The second lever is this, your family's relationship with God. Notice I said your family's. There's a lot of families in this room that have a matriarch or a patriarch that everything hinges on that individual. If we're honest, if they weren't here this week, some of you wouldn't be in church. If they didn't have influence in your life, you would act far different than you do today. And so what is your family's relationship with God like today? What's the rhythm, as we talked about in week one, of your home look like? Do you as a family unit have a strong relationship connecting with an incredible God? Those are two really difficult levers. And honestly, in this room, many of us are saying, you know, I got to get better at this. I got to get better with one another and I got to get better with my relationship with God. But today we're really going to focus on a third lever and it's probably a lever none of you have ever thought about. Maybe some of you. It's a lever that we believe strongly as a church, especially as a kid's student ministry. We believe wholeheartedly in it. And that third lever is this, your relationship with those outside of your family. You see, we believe that every teenager at about 12 or 13 years, maybe not everyone, but a vast majority of them, when they begin 12 or 13 They're going to come home, they're going to look at mom and dad, and they're no longer going to think you're the smartest. They're no longer going to think you're the sharpest tool in the shed. And they're going to begin facing life issues, and they're not going to want to get your advice. Instead, they're going to look at others, and they're going to want other individuals' advice. How many of you have maybe had a son or had a daughter, and for the first 10, 11, 12 years, they were the perfect child, and then all of a sudden, they begin to change. They begin to talk differently. They begin to dress differently. They begin to hang out with individuals that you don't necessarily approve of, and the boy or the girl that you once knew are no longer there, and you wish that you could go back years in time and catch it at the moment it happened to make sure that the course and the direction that they were following was the accurate one. This third lever has everything to do with that. 
because your kids and grandkids are going to tune you out. And if they tune you out, they're going to pick a voice and it better be a voice that you want them to pick. If you're taking notes, write this down. Every child needs another voice saying the same things that we as parents would want to be said. As Christians in this church, I hope that you make this a memory in your mind. As Christians, every child, every Christian family, every family for that matter, even if you're not a Christian, every child needs another voice in their life saying the same things that we would want to be said. The truth is that's how you widen the circle of your tribe. Mary and Joseph, they had the privilege of having grandparents, of aunts and uncles and cousins. And guess what? They all believed in the same God. They all believed in the same discipline. And as they walked down the road and as they talked, if Jesus acted out, not that he did because he was the only perfect one among us, but if he ever did, he had someone there to be able to say, don't do that. Don't say that. They widened the circle. Let me illustrate this another way and bring it back into our time. I have a friend, his name is Reggie. And Reggie has a son, his name's RP. Reggie believes in these three levers. He probably doesn't articulate it like a lever, like I said, but he believes in having a strong relationship with his family. And so he invested a lot of time and energy as a dad with his son relationally. So that way, if he ever got to the point where he made a mistake, he could always feel open to tell dad. He thrived on that. He talked about it all the time. He also believed in a strong relationship with his family and their God. And so one night, his son, RP, who had been dating a girl for a, quite a while, said, Dad, we're going out on a date. And he says, okay, son, um, 11 o'clock. Yep, Dad, 11 o'clock, I'll be home. So all of a sudden, 10.30 comes, 11 o'clock comes, RP doesn't show up. It's not common for RP to do this. 11.30 comes, no RP. This was back during a time when you didn't have the instant cell phone or tracking devices that parents have today. Midnight comes. Finally, 12.30 in the morning comes and the headlights come roaring into the driveway. The first reaction of any parent during that time when you don't know where your kid's at and it's unlike his behavior is, thank God he's okay. He walks in the door though and like many dads, after that emotion has passed, it's like, where have you been? And RP looks at his dad, Reggie, and says, I'm not talking about it. He walks up into his room and he closes his door. Reggie, who prides himself on a deep relationship with his son, goes up, knocks on the door, opens the door and says, what do you mean you're not telling me? Where have you been? We've been worried about you. Dad, I'm not telling you. No, 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 no. You don't have the option, son. We have a great relationship. You need to tell me. Dad, I can't tell you. What do you mean you can't tell me? Because I know you. You make the rules. And this won't go well. So Reggie, being a dad, trying to not be the reactor disciplinarian, but trying to understand what's going on here, he decides to take a breath. He said, there's going to be a consequence for you being late, and we'll talk about this later. And he closes the door, and he goes in. And then after having a long night, restless night of all the emotions, Reggie had another voice in his life. And he went to this voice. He happened to be a, a best friend and he happened to be a pastor. And he walked into the person's office and he said, I got to tell you what RP did tonight. And he went on and on and on and on and on. And he said, can you believe this? Can you believe RP is not going to tell me what happened? To which his friend looked at him and said, did you tell your dad everything that happened in your life? To which Reggie said, that's not fair. 
So I'm just saying, your boy is at the age where he probably is not going to want to tell you. So Reggie, after talking a little while with his other voice, he comes back home and goes into RP's room. RP knows this other voice of Reggie's. And he said, I just went to go see my friend. And, Reg, and RP goes, yeah. And he said, and our friend told me that you have to tell me everything. No, I'm just teasing. He didn't say that. But watch what Reggie did. And here's for every parent in the room and grandparent in the room. Because what I would probably do is say, you're going to tell me and I don't care. But Reggie thought about that third lever. And so here's what he said to his son. He said, RP, I don't know what's going on and I don't know why you won't tell me. He said, to be really honest with you, I, I, I would hope that you could tell me anything but I've tried to get you to say it and you refuse to say it and I don't understand why, maybe I will. So here's the deal. You don't have to tell me, but you need to tell me who you're gonna tell because you're gonna tell somebody. And so to that point, RP looked and said, I'll tell Kevin. Kevin was a dear friend of Reggie's, an amazing pastor and a dear friend. And after Reggie was hurt because he would tell Kevin and not Reggie, he thought about it as a dad and said, in my son's darkest moment, if he can tell a trusted friend who is going to say the same things that I would want to be said to my son, I'm okay with that. Now, for those of you wondering what RP did, his girlfriend dumped him. (laughs) Oh, you can't. (laughs) I love the sensitivity of our group here. But the reason why RP didn't want to tell Reggie is because he didn't want Reggie to fix it. There's a lot of wives in this room that don't want to tell their husband things because they don't want their husbands to fix it. Here's the point of the matter. Reggie understood the principle of a a family and he grabbed that third lever and he allowed his son to be spoken into by a voice that Reggie trusted. Here's my question for you. Do you have a voice in your life Dads, do you have a voice in your life? Moms, do you have a voice in your life? Do you have a voice for your kids? If you don't, you don't have that third lever. And if you don't have that third lever, your family is going to be in trouble at some point. Biblically speaking, it's accurate to have another voice. Take a look at this. This comes from Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get in trouble. There's that old adage, you show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. You show me your kids' friends, I'll show you who they are. The reason why this third level is so important is because you want to know how many marriages end because there's not a voice saying the things that should be said. There are husbands who have lost their families all because they didn't have another voice who had the guts to look them in the eyes and say, what are you doing? Do you realize the mistake you're making? You need to stop now because you're going to lose everything. Could you imagine how our culture would change if we actually believed in another voice in all of our lives who are willing to say the things that need to be said to catch us at our darkest moments and say, you need to snap out of it. You need to stop. Here's the truth. If you're taking notes, I give a lot of notes. But if you want to know one that I'm really passionate about, it's this one. So I pray you'd write it down. At the end of the day, 
We all need to pursue trusted voices before we need them so that we'll have them when we need them. When we get ourselves into a place where we have to have them, it's usually too late. So are you pursuing voices that you know you can trust so you have them before you need them? Here's the truth. Kids need other voices. Moms need other voices. Dads need other voices. Single adults need other voices. The enemy, who is very strong, would love all of us in this room to think, nope, we can hunker down and we can do everything. That's a lie. Because the biblical family unit was a tribe. The reason why they had a tribe is they knew they needed one another. They knew that they would have difficult times and they wanted everyone to pour in. So why in our American culture do we sit here and think, it's you and me, honey, and we can figure it out together. The divorce rate of Christians is over 50% in our country today. Now this won't fix all of it, but I can promise you there, for a lot of my friends who have ended in divorce, I wish that they had a trusted voice or I wish they'd have gone to that trusted voice before it happened. So here's the million dollar question for you today. Who is the voice that you can turn to when you need them before you need them? Right now, I want you to think, who is that individual that you know that you can go to that at a moment's notice you can pick up the phone, they won't judge you, they won't condemn you, they will love you, but more importantly, they're not gonna tell you what you wanna hear They're going to point you to truth and they're going to say, I love you, but your behavior is not right. Here in our church for every kid and every student, here's the truth. And if you're a parent and you haven't figured this out yet, I pray you do. We believe passionately in recruiting volunteers who don't want to be kid watchers, but that want to be another voice in the life of a child or a student. My son is in fourth grade. My greatest desire is that every year he has a voice in his life that he can turn to. Because guess what, folks? I'm a pastor. He is definitely not going to want to come to his pastor, dad, to tell me when he makes a mistake. And so my greatest fear is when he truly messes up that he won't have another voice that he can trust to go to. That's why we recruit all the time here. That's why we say it's important for some of you to take a step of faith and be that voice. Some of you say, well, that's okay because we got Pastor Tommy or we got Pastor Aaron and they can be the voice. No, they can't. If you have a 10th grade girl, that other voice should not be Pastor Tommy. It should be a female voice that can speak to the issues of a 10th grade girl. So at the end of the day, who's your voice? And if you're a family and you're raising kids, If you don't have that voice, we can help you with that. We'd love the opportunity to connect with you in each of the ministries to do that. Let me close with this. I put that word in that note of pursue trusted voices. And the reason why I put pursue is for some of us, we say, well, I can't find one. That's not pursuing. When I was 22 years old, I was a single adult and I was like every other single adult. I was running around trying to figure life out, trying to read the Bible and understand what it meant. And there was a guy that I met and his name was Chris. And Chris loved to play softball. I loved to play softball. Chris was a ham. I can be a ham. 
Chris and I had alike personalities. But more importantly, Chris loved Jesus. And I, every time I was around Chris, I learned more about Jesus. And so Chris one time called me and said, Terry, I got a friend of mine who has a boat and we're going to go deep sea fishing. Do you want to come? And without thinking, I said, yes. I get really, really seasick, folks. Awful. I went. And about two hours in, I chummed the waters. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's okay. And I was miserable for about five hours. We get back. Two weeks later, he calls. He said, hey, I got the boat. Do you want to go fishing? I said, yes. And I chummed the waters. For two years, I must have gone fishing about 27 times. And 27 times, I chummed the waters. Finally, Chris, he's not the you know, sharpest tool in the shed. He finally kind of wised up and he said, I notice you get sick every time you come fishing. He said, why do you come? And I just looked at my friend and I said, to be really honest, I enjoy spending time with you. I could call Chris today. I know where he's at. I know his family. And if I ever, ever, ever needed a trusted voice, he is there. He knows me. And I can go to him at any time. Are you pursuing a voice in your life with that kind of motivation? Where nothing matters, it's that important, that third lever is so important to you that you have to have it. Make sure you have that voice in your life before you need it so that you'll have it when you need it. Let's pray. Father, I pray for families because, Lord, I know that there are some moms and dads who don't have voices because they're afraid to tell those voices what's really going on. God, that's the enemy. That's the enemy wanting us to continue to live in sin. So, God, I pray that all of us in this room would pursue that voice. God, I pray for our kids. I pray that you'd place a hedge of protection around each of them. I pray that we as a church would be faithful to recruit amazing volunteers who don't just want to babysit, but want to pour in and love kids and students. But God, I pray that our tribes would grow stronger as we widen the circle around us. God, we love you today. And we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.